Thanks for listening to the V1 Church Podcast. You're about to hear episode two from our series, I Heart My Church. Pastor Mike brought a powerful message from our Queens location on what it means to be rooted in the local church, and we believe it is going to change your life. Enjoy the message. Hey everyone, my name is Mike Signorelli. I'm the lead pastor here at V1 Church. Can we put our hands together and welcome all the guests that we have with us today? Give them a warm welcome. I am so glad that you chose to be with us today at V1 Church. I believe in divine appointments. Maybe you didn't know what you were getting into when you came, but God knew exactly what he had in store for you today. And listen, for the next like 25 minutes to three hours, I'm going to preach to you. And uh, all the Pentecostals say, keep on going. All the Catholics say, it's already over. (laughs) But listen, um, (laughs) I don't know why. But God uses words to do things that cannot be done any other way. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the power of life and death is where? In the surgeon's scalpel? No, in the curriculum, in the education? Not necessarily, even though it can be, but it says it's where? The power of life and death is where? It's in our tongues. So I'm, gonna, I'm about to exercise the gift God gave me, and we're going to speak death over some stuff in this service, and we're going to speak life over some other things. Is that okay with anyone? All right, we're going there today, and I want to I preach to you about six chapters of the book of Acts, so I need you to really lock in, and something that we have to help you on your journey to learn right now is the V1 Church app, shameless plug, <laughs> and what you can do is if you uh, open the V1 Church app now, and then just like your Instagram feed, you know when you pull your thumb down and then the devil releases all the content to make you bad? Um, If you pull your thumb down and to release more content, you should see the notes for this sermon actually in the app. And there's some fill in the blanks because I used to be a high school teacher for six years. And uh, all the high school teachers said, amen, amen. And there's a worksheet and we're going to color before this thing is over. And we're going there today. So uh, you can follow along in the notes. And then we're going to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do as well. Is that all right with anyone? All right. All two people. We're going to have to do a baptism of the Holy Spirit service next week. (laughs) So this message, I think, is incredibly important for the life of this church as well as for you individually. So I need your permission to go in and and do some things. I I believe that during the course of this sermon, some of you are actually going to feel the tangible presence of God. You're going to begin to have encounters with God during this sermon. Some of you may feel it as an expression of heat on your body. Have you ever been in a service and you feel tingles, you feel chills? You know, we don't chase the chills because God didn't design us to be led by our feelings but that doesn't mean we can dismiss them altogether either because we have them for a reason. And so God is gonna begin to do things inside of your body, some of you, as a manifestation of his presence in this message because I believe that I'm dealing with destinies today. I believe that I'm dealing with destinies today. I believe I'm dealing with destinies today. I believe I'm dealing with destinies today. I believe I'm dealing with destinies today. These are one of those moments where you just have to acknowledge like God just divinely disrupted my life. And so we're going through Acts and I could probably preach this one blindfolded because this is like my book. And Acts chapter one, you have this moment. I'm going to recap last week, but who listened to last week's message on the podcast? Well, what? So you have this moment in Acts chapter one where Jesus does the mic drop of all mic drops. He basically says, hey, I know what you want in Queens. 
I know what you want in Brooklyn, Long Island, Staten Island. I know what you want in the Bronx. You want me to be here in the flesh and you want to be able to live stream me. You want to go YouTube and Instagram live so people can see that I'm real and that I'm in one place and then form these big crowds around me for all of eternity where you can ask me any question you want and you don't have to debate over scripture and make denominations and factions and schisms or other religions because I'll just be here to ask me directly. That's what you all want, right? And I think if we were being honest, what's way better than Pastor Mike would be Jesus, literally. And he knew that. And Jesus, perceiving their hearts in Acts chapter 1, says, but wait a second. This mentorship we've been doing for the last two and a half, three years where you've been sleeping on floors and traveling with me and uh, you're about to get murdered, that's coming up pretty soon. But we're in this, uh, <laughs> we're in this in-between period where I've got a better plan than the one that you want. I'm actually going to go to heaven. I'm going to ascend to heaven. And it's better that I go. And you know in that moment their hearts were probably saying, how could that possibly be true? we're going to be left with Peter. This guy's an idiot. Or what about the beloved John? I mean, it's like he's full of himself. He's a narcissist. He's still convinced that he's your favorite. He hasn't even done anything in the ministry, really. You know, it's like he perceiving their hearts said, I actually, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit will come and then the venue will be you. The venue will be you. The venue will be a movie theater. The, th- the venue won't be a cathedral. Your friends who say, well, if I walk through those doors, I'm going to burst into flames. They don't understand that Jesus died because it's the venue of you. Jesus died to possess you. Jesus died to inhabit you. The venue was paid for on the cross. It don't matter what the bill is for the movie theater. He paid the price so that you would be the venue. And he said, that's a better plan than me staying here and doing it myself. Somebody shout, it's a better plan. Come on, touch your neighbor and say it's a better plan. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. This is a test. (laughs) With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary, Lord, for you. You want to do it again? Lord, pre... No, (laughs) Listen, what happened to those songs? You know what songs we sing now? (laughs) God, help me. Help me, God. God's like, get over yourself. I'm trying to use you to do great things. I've equipped you with my Holy Spirit. After the Holy Spirit came upon you, you received power. Now worship like you have power. Pray like you got power. Launch churches like you got power. Witness to your friends on the bus like you got power. Somebody shout power. The biblical definition is literally Greek dunamis. It means explosive power. Explosions that you can't get from caffeine. It's better than caffeine. I know somebody, your heart's palpitating, but there is a power through. And he said, it's better that I purchase your body as the venue for my spirit, inhabit you, and then empower you to do the work than me stay here and do it myself. Think about this. And when the world says, okay, let's pray for another tragedy, nothing ever happens when we pray, they're 50% right because we are supposed to be the response of God here on earth. And you know what I love about V1? We got a whole bunch of crazy people who want to respond. We got an impact team feeding people in the Amityville school system because they can't afford lunches there. But we said out of the abundance of our heart, we are about to give. 
our words are going to align with our actions. Anyone thankful for a church with integrity to what they say they're going to do? This church gave away over 30% of all of our income last year because the world might not believe in Jesus, but they believe in generosity. And so it's just like, what you doing? What you doing? Tell your neighbor, what you doing? Because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, it's better that I go that you do it. And then the Holy Spirit comes. Now, he, he literally drops a mic. They are staring up to heaven. There's this angelic intervention where literally God has to send an angelic host to be like, stop looking at the sky. And there's a lot of Christians that I need to be shouting at them right now. Stop looking at the sky. You're looking for something. That season has passed. You're the one that's going to do it. Your, your pastor hurt you. Well, guess what? It's time for you to be a minister. Your church failed you. Guess what? It's time for you to lead. You know what? You, you are called to be the solution to the thing that you see because in the Bible, it's very clear that the problems you see, you were created to fix. The problems you see, you were created to fix because we don't all see the same thing. There was somebody during this worship set that had a blissful experience, and there was someone else who's like, I don't like the EQ on those mics. Guess what? You might be promoted to the team next week. Burger King says, have it what way? Yeah, right? Welcome to church. Have it the king's way. It's what he wants. And we are often, we often come into the, the, the critic role when he's trying to make us a coach. We often come into critic when he's trying to call us to be a participant. We often go to critic when he's calling us to be a producer. And what I love about this church is it's a whole bunch of people who are saying, it's not perfect, but I will be present because I am called here to do what he called me to do. And that's what you're feeling every single week. And in Acts chapter one, that's what you have. So then they find, they find a meeting place called the upper room. They begin to meet there regularly. And then all of a sudden they await the promise. And the Bible says that it started out with 11, right? Because Judas didn't believe that this grace was scandalous enough to save him. He hung himself, committed suicide because he didn't have a revelation of how scandalous the cross really was. You know, th this is extra biblical, but sometimes I wonder if the sermon of Acts chapter two that was preached by Peter should have been preached by Judas. How much more powerful would that have been? You know, why was the grace not sufficient for Judas? But, and that, that's a whole other conversation. But what happens is you have the 11, then they replace him. And God's still replacing positions. God's still moving people into position today. He's still doing this. There's an office. There's a mantle. There's a calling that must be fulfilled. Sometimes I ask myself, was I not the first person to get called to New York, but was I the first person to say yes to what God wanted to do here? See, sometimes you might not even be the first person God, God calls, but you might be the first person that says yes. It's the only explanation for why God would use an idiot like me, because I'm an obedient idiot. And see, God is much more concerned with your obedience than he is your intelligence, because often your intelligence is his greatest barrier. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so would you be the first person to say yes, even if you're not the first person to be chosen? There's a lot of wisdom in this one for somebody today. I just keep saying yes. I'm not, we're going to preach six chapters of the book of Acts before I'm done. Then all of a sudden, Acts chapter 2 happens. And then the Holy Spirit indwells inside of them. And then, they, and then what I love so much is as the Holy Spirit... Is, is actually releasing them to speak human languages. It wasn't the, you know, later on you'll see in scripture that it's the language of angels and of men. At this particular junction, the very first manifestation of the Holy Spirit was evangelism. It said that they declared the mighty works of God and people who were far from God 
didn't know the gospel story, heard it through different tongues. I wish some charismatics and Pentecostals would start using the gifts of the Spirit to lead people to Jesus instead of forming their own little cliques and circles and the frozen chosen and the us for no more and let me make myself feel good giving myself and all my friends prophetic words, but the kingdom is shrinking on the earth. It's time for evangelism. It's time to use the gifts of the Spirit to win the nine million people in New York who don't know Jesus while we're all in our holy huddle. I'm preaching mean today. I told you I have to have permission to cut some stuff off of your life so this church can advance. Praise God for prophetic words, but the first time the Holy Spirit showed up, it was to declare the gospel to a world that hadn't heard it yet. I want to plant a church. Lead somebody to Jesus, bro. I want to lead worship. Lead your wife in worship this week, bro. I want to be in full-time ministry. Do it now. Why does that have to do anything with the paycheck? What, I mean, what system did Jesus process his direct uh, deposits through? We've made this thing something different. You know, when I was in Ukraine and I tasted vegetables and bread, I had realized that the food has incrementally gotten so much worse in America. I don't even know what bread tastes like anymore. And if you think Wonder Bread is bread, you're missing out on bread. Everyone who loves carbs, say amen. And see, if you think church is what you see on your phone, then you have not experienced church yet. If you think church is the highlight reel, can I subject you to the low light reel? Because that's church too. Church is your lead pastor getting rejected on every single corner of every single block in Queens for the last three years since I've been here because I'm not going to win more people on this stage than I will in the stage of my life because I want to be bout it. And that's what I want from this church is this, we have to go back, Acts chapter 1, and then Acts chapter 2, they're unified. People got so close to the unity of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that what they heard was them declaring God's mighty works. And see, what happens in most churches is you get close enough to the circle, and they're not declaring God's mighty works, they're declaring everyone else's sin in the rows. But in this church, we see the worst, but we believe the best. In this church, we call out faith in you. In this church, we know your mess. We know your funk, but we say they're just writing their testimony. We have two kinds of people in this church. One is telling their testimony, and the other one's writing it. Does anyone believe that? That's it. We either have people sinning, or we have some people, or saints or some sinners in need of a Savior. We don't call people out here. We call them up. And that's what the early church was. And then all of a sudden, because just for the sake of time, we, you begin to see this church growing, and they added to their numbers daily. Now, how are you going to add to your numbers daily if the only time you tell people about Jesus is on Sunday? Come on, let's pray. I'm telling you, most of the dysfunction that we're encountering in the body of Christ right now is because our input exceeds our output. See, what happens is when you take in more food than your body uses, it makes you fat. When you take in more of this Christian culture than you metabolize to use to build the kingdom, you will become lethargic. And then you will begin to, in the spiritual realm, you will start to encounter all the problems associated with spiritual obesity. And the Lord right now is calling you to movement. 
You don't have to come set up at 6 a.m. You get to. It makes you better. Do you know that when we're singing songs and worshiping, as your words are releasing your mouth and you're following the screen, that your breaths actually put our hearts in rhythm in this place? Do you know that secular science confirms that if you regularly attend concerts, that you will live longer? It actually extends your life to be in a place with someone singing songs in unity. And don't you know who invented those songs? And don't you know who people say the church is like a concert. Well, even if it was, it would be good for you. We don't have to do this. We get to. And everything that he called us to enter in through worship has been sanctified and set apart for our benefit as we glorify him. It's that good. Do you know that people who pray live longer? It doesn't even matter whether you believe in a God or not, but secular science says that something metabolizes in the physical bodies of people who are praying. It's all there in the science. But see, science is just starting to catch up to what God said the whole time. And so when you're inviting someone into this sacred, holy thing called the local church, you're not asking them to come to a venue because the venue's you. When you're asking someone to pray, it's like, don't be embarrassed about the very saving power that he wants to use through you. And I'm, I'm telling you, church, something will happen when you get off the idea that it's my job to do it. God's called you. God's called you. Because guess what happens when you put a man on a pedestal? You've created the circuitry so that they could fail you, and you've already given yourself an out from what God called you to. But when you say, you know what? Follow me as I follow Jesus. Some days, church, I'm only one step ahead of you. Tomorrow, I'm starting a fast, so it'll be about 10 to 12. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But what we've done is we've created this hierarchy of what's holy and what's not, and, and I'm trying to bring you back. Can somebody say, bring us back? I'm trying to bring you back. So then what happens is Acts chapter 1 and 2, and then you go chapters 3, 4, 5, is what happens when you start living for God around people who don't know him. And you know what that is? You'll see that the apostles were imprisoned. You'll see that they were persecuted and rejected. And you know, here's the thing. If you're trying to avoid people pleasing because you've got a fear of how someone's going to respond, you're already missing the whole point. And you know what? Because even on your best day, when you try to do everything, I'm about to say something true to somebody. Even when you do everything you think you should do, you still haven't won the approval of those people. Am I right? Am I right? Even on your best day, even when you're wearing the outfit, even when you look the way and you talk the way and you fall in line, you're still going to fall short of their approval anyway. So what are you trying to do to win their approval? I would rather have the approval before God than the approval before man. And Acts chapter three, four, and five is the church working that out. I got one more thing. I wanna really flow from Acts chapter six, verses one through seven. And this is gonna be the really, the meat of this message. Can I read it to you today? This this point in the early history of the church is a crucial, crucial moment that I believe that we've kind of gotten away from. During this time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, well, I don't want the church to grow because I might not be able to receive the care that I received before. Well, I, hey, remember me, pastor, when this church grows. Where do you find that in scripture? You know what you'll see in scripture? Tell the whole world until this thing has reached every soul. And I wanna be the Christian that smells like smoke as I've got one hand in the bowels of hell pulling people out. 
You know what I'm saying? That's what this house is. And during that time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, oh man, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers toward the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines. Okay, so here's what we have. Acts chapters 1 through 5 is what happens when the church knows God. Chapter 6 is what happens when the church starts to get to know each other. See, as long as it's between you and God, you can put your worship song on. You can live a Christian life in your headphones. And there's a lot of people living a whole Christian life in their headphones. And it's because when it's you and God, it's power. He gives you words that he doesn't give anyone else. He speaks through all these. You have 17 pastors. You're not accountable to anyone, but you listen to all their podcasts. You're not surrendering your life to any house to be made better, but you think you're being made better because you're an information junkie and there's a lot of information out there. But you haven't grown in wisdom. And this is not a rebuke. It's just an indictment on where we're at as a church right now. And so what happens is if you live your entire life in the headphones, you'll be missing the fullness of what God has for you. And so what happens is chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, all their resistance was from the outside. Chapter 6, they start to experience what everyone in this room who's ever been to church more than four weeks starts to experience, the real devil, the one sitting next to you in the seat right now. And I'm not talking about the good kind of devil <laughs> if you're married. My wife and I did a marriage conference. We said angel in the streets and devil in the sheets. <laughs> and all the married people were like, can you say that in church? And I said, let's make marriage look good. Praise God. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of devil. I'm saying if you go to church more than three or four weeks, you know what you're going to notice? Let me tell you a secret. Aaron, that guy who plays drums, he's not perfect. I said it. You know Eddie, the guy? Never mind, he is. You know Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, like I died for everyone, but that guy, he's cool. <laughs> and what happens is what, what we do to mask the, our own faults and failures is point out the faults and failures in other people because it's a diversion. And we say, if I can get you so fixated on that pastor and everything that's wrong with him, you might not notice what's wrong with me. If I can get you so fixated with what's wrong with Aaron, you might miss this, this big thing I'm dealing with. And so what happens is as the church is engaging, there's a value system clash and there's racism in the early church. How many of you know there's still racism in the church? We hate it, not this church. Amen? When we first launched on Long Island, I got the whole church together in one place and then literally told every single one of them, you're all racist. And then we did an exercise and we started breaking down those walls. But how many of you know you got to do that on repeat if you're going to continue to grow your church? And so what I want you to do is start getting to know the people of this church who look the least like you. Because then in that moment, you might start becoming more like Jesus. Because he, if you read scripture, he crossed every single boundary and barrier. And the people that it was scandalous to talk to were the main people you'd find Jesus with. What would it look like on a Sunday if you were so intentional about this church that you said, I'm going to get to know the person who looks the least like me. And maybe you find Jesus in their eyes. 
And that's something that started to go on in early church. So you had racism and there's contentions over the, the Greeks and the, over the Hebrew speaking believers. And then you have this other tension. It's the prophetic spiritual people who want to preach and they want to do spiritual soaking and 75 to 90 minute worship sets. And then there's other people who are like, but wait a second, there's kids that don't have meals in Amityville. How are we going to feed people? And you had the social justice church versus the spiritual church. That's what Acts chapter six is. Do we still have that going on today? I would say so. I, I would say so. And here's what happens. Can I keep reading? So the 12 called the meeting of the disciples. So the apostolic oversight, the leaders said, we're going to call a meeting. They said, it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the word to help with the care of the poor. So friends, see, it's important that you call people the right title when you're getting ready to have conflict. Did anyone catch that revelation? It's easy to call your wife everything other than your sweetheart when you're in an argument. But calling her the right title in a conflict may determine the outcome. See, sometimes when you're in the local church, you start calling people the wrong name before you get ready to deal with that conflict. And we, we honor up here. And so he said, friends, friend, let's remember what this is. Friends, Choose seven among you who everyone trusts. In other words, who's got character? If you want to be elevated, you have to have character, okay? And then it says, full of the Holy Spirit. It didn't say full of knowledge in this particular passage because I think what was most important is they were going to be led by somebody who had more knowledge than them. Then it says, and good sense. How many of you know common sense isn't common anymore? <laughs> common sense is not common anymore. You literally could get a leadership position in the early church having common sense. That's bad. You can't hear too. Like you told, you told that person what? Okay, so anyways. <laughs> you did what? It says, so choose among you everyone trust, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, and we'll assign them this task. Meanwhile, we'll stick to our assigned task of speaking the word. So what they did is they said, because you saw a problem, you were created to solve the problem you see. We're not going to stop feeding the poor, but what we are going to do is put the right people in charge, and as we elevate the right people into position, we will be able to do all of it. And so if you want to care for the poor, you heard from the Holy Spirit correctly. If you want to worship and lead worship and preach and prophesy, you also heard correctly. So what we're going to do is unify and together we're going to get it all done. And so what happens here at V1 Church is that, is that we have this apostolic oversight that says the problem you see you were created to fix. But we also have this formula that says you don't have true relationship until you have resolved conflict. People are so afraid of conflict. So afraid of conflict. You know what made my wife and I more unified? It wasn't when I, I, this is funny to say it out loud now. We met when we were only 19. I was totally just trying to do bad things with her physically. I mean, you know how it is at 19. See, some of you guys are like, this is too real for me. Let me check your, your browser history. I, we'll get real, okay? At 19, that's what I, my goal. And in that pursuit of that goal, guess what kinds of things I told Julie? Man, we never fight. I can't think of anything we would ever fight over. Well, how many of you know we are headed for a year and a half of marriage counseling years down the line? But what happens was we got into a position in life where we didn't have true relationship because we hadn't survived true conflict yet. And everything was nice when we had no kids, no bills. Anyone remember those days? It's Friday night, blowing the whole check. 
because I live with my parents and I'm going to do whatever I want. And see, up until now, that was the early church. It was like there was no conflict yet because we had the power of the Holy Spirit and we go like this and people get saved. And then we come over here and we go like this and people get delivered and demons come out. And then all of a sudden they realize, wait a second, all these numbers we grew in, this isn't sexy anymore. This is work. And we don't have real relationship. We know him, but we don't know each other. And then as the apostles said, we are going to designate leadership and resolve this. All of a sudden, can I read you the, the resolution? This is incredible. How the church dealt with conflict determined whether or not they advanced. I'm not afraid of conflict here at this church. I've already been cussed out by people who call themselves elders, pastors, deacons. Sometimes those are the main ones. I'm like, that's a cuss word you invented. I never even heard that one before. Sometimes I've been through that stuff, but it's how you deal with the conflict that determines this. This is what it says. As they gave wisdom and they, they did this thing according to the wisdom that they had, it says the word of God prospered. The word of God prospered. And then the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically because of how they dealt with conflict. And then the number of disciples increased dramatically in Queens because they know how to fight. See, it's not about avoiding the fight. It's knowing about how to fight. It's about knowing how to resolve the conflict. And what happens when you're rooted is the reward of being rooted is repetition. And what happens is every single time the conditions get bad, you run away but you don't know the wisdom of the conditions oh man oh they're starting the church this thing's going you have this little thing some of you are in romantic relationships and you dip on the relationship every single time the conditions worsen because you don't see the wisdom in the conditions but see we're talking about being rooted the bible is clear about being rooted i don't care if it's your marriage i don't care if it's your calling it, i don't care if it's your local church this is inescapable rooted rooted see what happens is when you're in the soil of a particular community god's trying to give you the reward of being rooted which is repetition let me explain sometimes you say man it's growing dark Things are starting to grow dark. I'm confused. The pastor and none of the leaders can see the calling that's on my life. I keep getting passed up for promotion. They don't think that God can do it through me. It's getting dark. I don't see it anymore. I need more groups. They don't have groups. I don't like the groups. I don't like the people who go to the groups. I just feel confused. I don't even know if I should be at this church. And what we do is we take up our roots. And we say, well, I'm going to go into this other soil because there, they've got all the groups. There, those people are cool. Yeah, for now, until you get to know them and realize they're just the same person you abandoned with a different name. And all of a sudden you say, man, I don't know if the things are right here because they used to be so spirit-led at that other church. But here it's like the groups are awesome, but I don't know that the Holy Spirit's flowing the way it used to. And I kind of miss that, but there's another church here. So you uproot yourself again. And all of a sudden you get in, planted into that soil and it's good for a season and you're going through all the different seasons with them and you don't see that there was a reward for being rooted and it's repetition. But you keep escaping a step of the process. Every time it gets dark, you dip. Every time it gets dark, you're out. But see, what would happen is sometimes in his sovereignty and the Holy Spirit says, look at your roots they're so shallow, and there's something about the darkness if you will go back. 
There's something about the darkness that will cause you to begin to shoot up in search of the light and begin to grow upward and outward in such a way that was never going to happen if you kept escaping the soil of your success. But God has you in that moment in darkness because even darkness, see, here's what happens, church. Unfavorable conditions can still release supernatural favor unfavorable conditions sometimes we say God there's no way you can use a valley have you read the Bible and seen what God will do in a valley it says yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow it doesn't say that God blesses your butt prints he blesses your footprints keep on walking through the valley of the shadow and then all of a sudden you're in this season you're like I don't know man I just I'm getting a little consumeristic about what I want. I mean, this church is new. Queens is still growing. One day it's going to be great, but they don't have their stuff figured out. You know, there's this awesome kids ministry over here. I'm going to get rooted over here. And then you stay there for a little bit. And then what happens is you realize that your kids are a temporary assignment. Even though they live with people till they're 50 sometimes, doesn't mean that they're your assignment until they're 50. They come to an age of accountability. And then all of a sudden you said, I built my entire existence around a a children's program, but I missed out on what God had for me here. And so then all of a sudden you move to this other place and you do the same thing. You repeat those behaviors because you're you're really... (laughs) I'm going to get really real. Okay, I'm just going to do it. Somebody's going to leave over this. I don't care. I'd rather have, this is Gideon's army today. I'd rather thin out the crowd before we move forward. But you're an opportunist. And you want to go to a church where you can be the rock star on worship and still the building worship teams. See, that church, see, some of you come from small churches And you said, I was used by the pastor, but you forget that you loved being used because it fed your ego for a season. So you don't want me to preach for real today. And you're like, I don't know if I like V1 because they build team because you still want to insert the I in team. But see, here's the thing. That other pastor didn't care about you. He cared about your gifts. That other pastor didn't care about your destiny. He cared about what you could offer him. And he did use you because you let him use you because for a season it felt good to be used. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, man, I'm, I don't, I'm preaching mean today. I have done every single one of these positions. I play all these instruments. I played them on big stages, small stages. I preached. I grew kids' ministries. I did it all, and I only had one pastor who cared about me, and it was Dave Gargano. Every other pastor, I planted myself in the wrong soil because I was an opportunist. And then God said, will you become number one at being number two? Until you die to yourself, you'll never know what it's like to be like me. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going back. I'm getting rooted now. I'm getting rooted. And you say, but there's a drought here. I mean, I'm supposed to be preaching to the nations. What happened to that prophecy when the prophet showed up when I was seven and a half years old in the 20-person storefront church? I'm supposed to be leading worship for the nations. I mean, only 76 people showed up today, but God, you prophesied 76,000 in the stadium. I mean, look at this soil. It doesn't look like the place I should be planted, but God's saying the reward of being rooted is repetition, and sometimes even a drought will cause your roots to go deeper and deeper and search of that nutrient and that water and your roots will continue to go down because of the drought but you avoid the darkness and you avoid the drought but it was God's unfavorable conditions to release supernatural favor and what God wants for you is to commit 
do you know? All right, I'm done because I'm over time. <laughs> do you know that when you read the science, I don't know why I feel so led to hit on this. The most significant analogy in scripture between the church and Christ is marriage. And only a culture that doesn't understand marriage doesn't understand the church. And, and, I, and I don't even understand marriage, but I'm trying. And we, we got most men won't even try anymore. But see, what happens is, I'll never forget, I was at the Kinsey Research Institute for Sexuality. It's the largest sex education research institute in the entire world. And I'll never forget, they said, when we did all of our studies and drew all of our conclusions from the research, the most sexually satisfied people on the planet are literally a male and female in a long-term monogamous relationship, AKA exactly what the Bible says. And, and it was funny because I, at the time when I heard that in that class, I was an atheist. I was not a pastor. And I remember thinking, that is so crazy. How could it be that as you get older and uglier, your sex life gets better? That doesn't make any sense. Like, the best it's ever going to be is in the future. But that's the ugliest I'm ever going to be. Now, some of you are like, wait a second. You're not preaching Acts chapter 6. Yes, I am. Because the reward of being rooted is repetition. The reward of being rooted, see, they said the most powerful sex organ you have isn't between your legs, it's between your ears, it's your brain. And when you connect with that person in a meaningful marriage relationship, it doesn't compare to anything else the world offers. And see, what happens is the early church was in this new marriage. It was like they were kind of fumbling through being rooted. Do I want to stay in this thing because there's racism here? Do I want to stay in this thing because they're using each other? Do I want to stay in this thing because they don't get social justice? Do I want to stay in this game because they're not as spiritual as I? And they were going through this, do I root myself? But see, there was this marriage analogy because God was trying to say, if you will stay and commit. See, the definition of progress is new problems. And if you can't graduate from the problems that you have now with the local church, you can't make progress. If you can't graduate from the problems that you have with your spouse now, you can't make progress. The definition of progress is new problems. And so when I see problems now, I don't get afraid. I don't get scared. I don't think, oh, this is over. The church is going to end. You know what I say? Oh, I better be getting ready for promotion. I better be getting ready for territory. I better be getting ready for a next level. This conflict is telling me a story. It's telling me that there's new problems, which means I made progress, and I'm about to make some more. I've never been where I've been with Julie before, but new problems means that I made some progress. I'm not dealing with what I used to deal with. I'm taking on a new problem. It means that he must have taken me from glory to glory. I'm not going from pit to pit or valley to valley. So church, would you stand to your feet with me? I want to ask you something. This might sound like a crazy thing, especially for those of you who are visiting. I have seen people walk out those doors and they've said, you know what? I don't think V1's for me. I didn't like the music. I don't like the pastor. I don't like Dylan. We get a lot about Dylan. <laughs> so, <laughs> but then the Holy Spirit speaks to them. They even go to other churches for a while. I'm just being real with you, man. And you know what? I want to be really real with you. This church isn't for everyone. 
This church isn't for, I love some of the churches in this region. I've come to love their pastors. Uh, every Sunday night, I have dialogue with pastors from all over New York, and I've come to love them and have this David, Jonathan kind of relationship with them. I mean, this church isn't for everyone. I mean, God's, then why were we the only ones here? You know what I'm saying? God's got unique expressions and visions and mantles and things he wants to do, but there are many people because this is a new wineskin, and I'm probably being deep for a lot of the new believers, but this is a new wineskin type ministry. People say, I've never been to a church like V1, and I say, I'm the lead pastor, and I haven't either. I'm going after something that God's given me a vision for with, with the people I'm accountable to, but the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, go back to V1, that's where I want you. And they, they, they go back to the soil and get rooted. And some of our most significant leaders are people that tried to leave or were gone for a season and the Holy Spirit called them back. Sometimes it is like a marriage. You know, Julie and I were separated for a season. That's, but God called me back and said, this is your wife. I want you to honor the commitment to her. And I believe that as Julie and I have honored each other in marriage, it's been for the healing of many other marriages. See, people who are churched hurt, as you commit yourself and root you to the local church, I believe that many of you here are going to be for the healing of many in this region. You're going to be an ambassador of this balm of Gilead that's going to heal many people when you say, hey, man, I was skeptical too. I mean, a dude from Indiana, yeah, he probably moved out here for all the wrong reasons. I thought the same thing. But it's not true. There's something that the Holy Spirit's willing in our midst. And so what I'm asking you, and this is, this is probably the biggest, the biggest altar call I've ever done here. If you have an inconsistency in you, if you have this thing in you that gets to a certain point, then you always bounce. If you have something in you that ha you're committophobe, you're never going to receive the benefits of being rooted you're never gonna encounter new problems because you keep trying to escape these problems. You know when our church started to grow the most? When I started preaching every single Sunday, y'all will bury me here. I don't have a plan B, I'm not going back to Indiana and quite frankly, they don't want me anymore. But here's my thing, if you always have a plan B in life, if you're always having a plan B, if V1's your plan B, I don't want this to be your side chick. I'm, I want you to marry this thing. Because can I just tell you something? Most of the abuse that you encountered is from people that looked at you as temporary. It's the people who looked at you as temporary. When you look at someone as temporary, you're going to treat them like temporary. You know what you do with a temporary Starbucks cup? You throw it in the garbage. And some of you have been treated like garbage because someone thought you were temporary. And I'm not, I'm asking you to marry this thing. I'm asking you, I am ugly. I do have problems. My theology isn't perfect, but would you join with this? I'm telling you, we don't have it all together. Sometimes we don't bring the right cable. Sometimes we play the wrong note. Sometimes what we say sounds stupid, but will you commit? Because if you'll say yes, and you'll throw away plan B, C, D, and E, this thing will be a manifestation of the power of God like never before, and Acts chapter six will repeat in New York. Is there anyone who will stretch their hand and say, count me in, pastor? Is there anyone? 
Every army has an enlistment. If you don't show up, you went AWOL. Every class has a role. If you don't show up, Eddie's going to come to your house and handcuff you. It's about time we say, count me in. Sign me up. Give me a gun. Give me a helmet. Give me a uniform. It's time to fight. Some of you have been nursing church wounds. God said, get out on the battlefield bloody. It's time to go fight again. You're never going to be completely healed from some stuff. you got to go out and do it bleeding. Your life's never going to be, if you're waiting to be great until your life is perfect, you'll never be great. Do it messy. Do it afraid. Do it bloody. Do it scared. Do it with reservations. But do it. Commit to it. With every hand lifted right now, Father, I just pray over those who want to be rooted, those who want to receive you, those who want to commit to this house, those who don't want to be consumers or shoppers, but, Lord, they want to be producers. They want to go all in. They want to be wholehearted, God. Those who just say, I'm tired of playing games with my faith. I'm tired of playing games with my destiny, with my purpose. Those, God, who desperately want to know that their life counted, that it had a purpose, that it had a meaning, that want to step into it. God, I pray that they would step into it now, that they would be rooted, 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 God, in the spiritual realm so that as the winds and the waves come, they're not moving, God. And Father, I thank you for this house coming together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and our prayer that this message blessed you and helped you on your faith journey. So we want to ask that you would share it on your social media so your friends and your family can share this experience with you. We'll see you next time.